Death will come to us all. This is certain. And yet, there seems to be so much stigma, taboo, fear and difficulty surrounding this inevitable part of life. I'm Sultram, and this is What About Death? Everything you wanted to know about death, but were afraid to ask. Before we start the episode, be sure to follow, subscribe, and give us a five-star rating. While this is the final episode of the season, there's still plenty to look forward to next year and a back catalogue of great conversations just like this one that you can listen to. In today's episode of What About Death? I speak with Bindi Irwin, world-renowned conservationist, television personality, wildlife warrior, and daughter of croc hunter Steve and Terry Irwin of the world-famous Australia Zoo here in Queensland. Today, Bindi shares her experience following the death of her father Steve when she was just eight years old. She tells us how her understanding of the cycle of life, death and grief gives her purpose, hope and a joy for life and how the events of her past and her present shape how she moves into the future with her own family and her work. So today I'd like to welcome our very special guest for this final episode of uh, What About Death for 2021, Bindi Irwin from Australia Zoo. Very honoured to have you as part of our podcast, Bindi. So thank you so much for taking time out of your very hectic schedule to join me today. Oh, thank you so much. It is such an honour to be talking to you and everybody today. It it means the world to me. So the first question that I ask all of my guests is what do you recall as your first experience or first memory of death? That is a challenging question for me because growing up, I have always lived at Australia Zoo, which is absolutely wonderful and so very special. But it means that I have experienced death throughout my life because of all of the beautiful animals that we have here. You know, where there is great life, there is also death. And we have over a thousand animals here at Australia Zoo. And it means that we we care for a lot of different species and some animals have very short lifespans and others have very long, long lives to live. So I've experienced death from a very early age. We also have a wildlife hospital that cares for many, many different animals. And it's, it's challenging because not all of them make it through. So I think my very first experience with death was when I was very, very little working with animals at the wildlife hospital, but for a a human experience, my, my grandmother passed away when I was about, about two years old. I was only a couple years old. I think that was the first real challenge that our family experienced with death on a, on a human level. However, my first distinct memory was a koala that we had at the Australia Zoo Wildlife Hospital that I helped to care for. I was very young and um, this little koala named Wilson came to us after his mother was hit by a car. And his mama didn't make it, but he did. And little Wilson was very, very hurt. And I worked with the vets at the wildlife hospital to help Wilson every day 
to, to feed him, to make sure he was loved and cared for because he was a very young koala. And unfortunately, he didn't make it. So he passed away and I can remember very vividly my my mum sat me down to talk to me and, and say, unfortunately, you know, Wilson didn't make it, but but he'll always be with you and you have to cherish the good times that you had with him. And that really, um, that really shaped me for my life moving forward. I think that uh, when my grandmother passed away at a very early age, I, I, I don't remember it as well because I was only a couple years old. But then when Wilson passed away when I was young, that, that really stuck with me because it was something where my mom had to talk me through it. And it, I think it shaped the way I viewed death from that day forward because I was so young and because my mom was so amazing with explaining everything to me. My mom is wonderful because she's never one to hide anything. She's always one to say, here's what's happened and I'm going to be there for you and we're going to talk about it and get through this together. So I think that I've been very, very lucky to live in a very open family where we just discuss things. And it it helped me so much because I think when you first experience death um, in a big way like that, the way you handle it kind of shapes your future and how you deal with death moving forward. So yeah, it was, it was really challenged. But I, I also think, you know, when my grandmother passed away, I, I think it shaped me, even though I can't cognitively remember it. I think the, the challenge that my family faced of losing kind of the matriarch of the family, my dad's mum. It, it really sticks with you. Even if you don't remember it, it is a part of you and it's a f- part of the fabric of your upbringing. So yeah, it's, um, it's been a extraordinary learning curve for me growing up at Australia Zoo, where I have experienced a lot of death from very early on and it's, it's helped me to deal with it as I've grown up. When did you first get a sense of how your unique your childhood was, you know, growing up in a in a zoo. I'm not talking about the fame so much, but you know, about just the fact that you lived in this extraordinary environment and was very connected, therefore, to, you know, I guess recognizing the natural cycle of life. When do when do you first sort of get a sense of of that being in your consciousness? It was it was the funny thing is, is it took me a long time to realize that we actually lived at the zoo. <laughs> I was probably about three or four before I fully understood that we didn't just come to the zoo every day, that we actually lived here. So, you know, mum would say, well, we're going to go and see all the animals again, again today. And I'd be like, wow, this is great. We're going to the zoo again. <laughs> and, then, and then it took me some time, probably longer than it should have, to actually put the dots together that we live here. And um, it is, it is so special. Every day is different and and wild and so filled with beautiful moments and tremendous challenges. And it is it is so special that I get to share my family of animals with everybody who visits. You know, to to live in a place where you get to share what you love with so many people from all different walks of life. It's it's beautiful and it's remarkable. You know, every day when I see someone come to Australia Zoo and have a life-changing wildlife experience, it reminds me that this is why we do what we do. When I see someone connect with a koala or feed a giraffe for the first time and you watch that magic of them falling in love with an animal, 
it's just so perfect. It makes life feel so good. And and it's good for my soul, I think, to see that happen and to know that we're trying to make a difference. We work every day of our lives to protect wildlife and wild places and do our best for all animal species. You know, my, my dad was the one who really paved the way when it comes to our conservation work. He worked tirelessly to protect all wildlife species, not just the cute and cuddly ones. He wanted people to love and appreciate crocodiles as much as, you know, the the cute fluffy animals. <laughs> and so I, I really admired him for everything that he did. And he was the one who first came up with the term wildlife warrior. Mm. He said that as a family, we are wildlife warriors. We stand up and speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And it's our mission in life to protect all animal species and to give people a greater understanding of our natural world. Because it is true, you know, as society continues to advance, we have also lost connection with our own planet. I mean, we live on this beautiful, beautiful planet that we call Mother Earth. And we are so lucky to have so many different animal species and just just to have such an extraordinary world. And yet we get so caught up in our own bubbles. We get so caught up in the world of social media and and our work lives kind of take us away. And it's so easy to forget to reconnect with our planet and our wildlife species. So for us as a family, here at Australia Zoo, we work so hard to give people that little piece of of nature back to give them that connection back and it's it's really inspiring to watch people make these life-changing connections and I love it so much and it is it is challenging where every day every day you are faced with the truth that you know our world is changing you know due to climate change and our expanding human population there are great challenges that the earth is facing right now and with our wildlife hospital we've we've cared for over gosh, over 100,000 animals at our wildlife hospital. And it is a huge challenge. And and sometimes it's a lot because you're one person <laughs> and you really want to make a difference in the world. But sometimes it's it's hard. You, you, you have those struggles where, you know, you'll take care of an animal for months and months and months and then it will pass away. And it's challenging, but it's also so important to remember why we do what we do. And and to hold on to the to the hope for the future. And it's it's wonderful for us as a family too, because we're in this together. So anytime that there is a, a struggle or a challenge where we, we build each other up and we remind each other of why we do what we do, which is to help wildlife in wild places, but also to give people that connection back. And it's really, it's really inspiring and really powerful. So I'm I'm grateful every day, but it is it is interesting where you you are faced with this <laughs> challenge every day of wanting to do everything you possibly can and trying to cram it into one day. <laughs> we, sure. we only have so many hours in the day, so yeah. it's um it's it's busy, but it's it's really special. And it's and actually um it's quite a complex issue as well. I recently spoke with uh, Dr. Chris Kavorkian from Washington State in the U.S., who's doing a yeah. lot of research around the southern resident orcas who are declining in number. And she was talking about 
environmental grief and ecological grief and how we, so many species, both plant and animal, are dying and becoming extinct. And as humans, maybe we're just starting to recognise that we are absolutely dependent on them, you know, like uh, we need the plants and the animals, but they don't need us quite so much, you know, and it was just really interesting to talk to her about, you know, contemplating and thinking about the death of species and that we really need to understand how important they are for our human survival. It's true. And and it's a very, very good point where, you know, our our natural world is just, it, it has this perfect balance. And then humans kind of came along and we've disrupted it so completely that our wildlife is trying so hard to adapt. But in doing so, a, a lot of our species have disappeared forever. And it brings me tremendous grief thinking about the impact that humans have made on our planet. But you have to find hope because, you know, as, as humans, we, we are very complex creatures, <laughs> but we, we have to find the good in every day and we have to, to figure out ways to better ourselves. And I think as a society, we have to come together and start really thinking about and tackling these bigger issues. We can no longer live in a world where we just continue to live our lives with no appreciation or respect for our other wildlife and and wild places that we share our, our earth with, because it's true, we depend on each other entirely. And, you know, I want to make sure that my beautiful daughter, Grace, and if she ever has children and their children, they live in a world with clean air and fresh drinking water and an abundance of wildlife forever. And unless we start making real change today, I worry about the future. But I do find hope in the fact that there are some extraordinary people doing wonderful things, working tirelessly to protect our planet. And as a family, we're trying to do our part as well. And if we all just do something, then then we will have a brighter future. We can't bury our heads in the sand anymore. We have to actually look up and listen and, and pay attention to the planet. But I, I also think we have to share a little bit more kindness with each other as well, because unless we can be kind to one another, how can we ever find it within ourselves to have empathy for the other living beings on the planet? I think this pandemic in particular has brought out some very interesting new personality traits in people. <laughs> I think I've, I've, I've experienced it. I mean, we, we see a lot of different personalities here at Australia Zoo, but, you know, just out in the wild, I've experienced so much just hate and anger that has been brought out with this pandemic. And it's, it's time for us to realize that we're all in this together and we have to show a little more love and light and kindness for one another because, you know, we're all just battling every day. We all have our own, our own stories to tell and we have our own battles that we're, we're waging and it's important to be a little, a little kinder to each other. So unless we can start doing that, I'm not sure how we can show kindness towards the planet. We have to be kind to ourselves and to our fellow humans I mean, as well. A, it's a really interesting point that you make about, you know, people's expression of emotion and, and how they're feeling. And 
I think one of the things that struck me the most uh, when your father died was the extraordinary outpouring of grief and love that wasn't just here in Australia, but was from right around the world. So when you look back and see that extraordinary emotion and care and love that was so openly expressed, what do you think about today? Wow, that was just unbelievable. I mean, for us, losing dad was probably the hardest thing we've ever gone through. And our grief walks beside us every day. But when dad passed away, we were overwhelmed by the amount of love and support that we received. We had no idea how many lives dad touched through his conservation work. I know for a fact that dad had no idea how many lives he touched through his conservation work. He never realized just how many people he he influenced through his documentaries and work that he did. And it wasn't until he passed away that we were hit with this wave, this tsunami of love and kindness and people sharing their own stories and telling us about how dad affected their lives. You know, so many people who became conservationists or marine biologists or worked in the field of animals because of dad. It was remarkable. And during a time of tremendous grief, we were so comforted knowing that dad had touched so many people's lives. It was, it's hard to share how, how much gratitude we had and still have for people's support. And after dad passed away, we were trying to just find a way to, to thank people and, and let them know that we would continue with his work. And that's why when he, when he died, I said to mom, I really want to thank everybody and I want to stand up and say something. So we put together a memorial service for dad and I, I, worked, I worked on my speech for a very long time <laughs> and tried really hard to share with people that we would continue his work because it felt really important to me and to our family that, that we were going to stand up and make sure that everything he lived and died for continued on into the future. And I think that was, that was our coping method. That was the way we got through it is knowing that we would do our very best to continue on his work and just to be able to tell people that we we would never let his legacy die, that it would carry on. Because when dad was alive, he always used to say, I don't care if people remember me, I care if people remember my message and my mission. And those words were so powerful. And looking back, I think that dad knew he didn't have a long time on this earth because we all say, as humans, we all say, you know, live each day as if it's your last. But dad actually did. Mm -hmm. After any wonderful experience that he had, he would always say, well, I feel complete. (laughs) I can die now. And and that I, I didn't think about it until after he had died that he really did leave live each day like it was his last. And he really worked hard to fill his days with as much as possible so that he could leave a legacy. And that's exactly what he did. And 
we were so, so grateful for all of the love and kindness from everybody. Still to this day, people come up to us and say, you know, here's our story about how how dad, my dad, how Steve <laughs> affected our lives. And every time someone shares their own experience with watching dad on a documentary or meeting him or they share a photo that they've gotten with him, it, it, it's a little bit like getting piece of him back every time someone someone shares their own experience it's it's like reliving our, our time with dad again and that's that's really special and it's amazing that still to this day he's he's affecting people's lives and I think I think that's amazing and I think what's so extraordinary is that we are all given this gift to leave a legacy we all have the opportunity to leave a legacy and that's that's why it's so important to live every day with with gratitude and purpose like dad did because he was so passionate about life and he was so passionate about changing the world in the time that he had it, it's really inspiring and i hope i hope i'm able to do that and i hope everybody can take a page out of dad's book and and live each day as if it's their last, because it is so important. Indeed. And I think, uh, you know, what you've shared, you showed, because I think you were only eight years old when your father died, and yeah. the circumstances surrounding uh, the aftermath, I guess, of his death were so extraordinary. But you showed you were so strong as a time. I can remember, you know, watching you, and you were so strong as such a little person, or at least appeared to be. And I'm wondering if you felt that that resilience and a maturity that was sort of way beyond your years, or in my humble opinion. <laughs> um, I was. You. I wonder if you were conscious of that at the time, or was it all a bit of a blur? It was. It was a whirlwind, but it was also. I can remember very, very vividly after dad passed away, there was, there was so much going on. It was, it was just, oh my gosh, wild. When he, when he died, we were in Tasmania actually. Um, and it was, it was me and mum and my brother, Robert and a couple of our family friends. And being in Tasmania, there wasn't a lot of phone service. So dad was filming away from us at the time and, and we were going to catch up with him after he had finished filming. And so, you know, we were having a little family holiday and it took some time before anyone was able to reach us because we were in Tasmania, there's no phone service. So by the time we got the message that he had passed away, it took a while. For us to get that message, it took a few hours. It was, you know, how it feels like time stands still in life sometimes. So time felt like it stood still, and we all tried to figure out what we were going to do. You know, we had to get home. Where were we going to go from here? It was a lot to take in and soak up. And then the aftermath was just unbelievable. You know, there was. There was paparazzi chasing us everywhere. There was media just trying to get photos of us. You know, when when we got to the airport to fly home back to Australia Zoo, you know, there were people everywhere trying to put cameras in our faces. And it was it was actually a little bit scary, to be honest with you. Sure. It was a little bit terrifying because everybody wanted to hear from us. And we were in this state of shock and disbelief. 
And when we got home, it was similar where we were trying to make all the arrangements and everything. And my mum was working so hard to, to keep everything going, you know, to, to make arrangements for a memorial service and taking care of us and just trying to figure out where we should go. It was this enormous storm and we had to, to hide under blankets when we would drive places because there were so many helicopters and cars chasing us, trying to get photos and interviews. And it was crazy. And then we were also trying to deal with our own grief. And in amongst it all, there was this very vivid time where I was on my own and sitting there and thinking about everything that had happened. And it had been a few days. And I can remember I was really, really emotional. Dad had just passed away and trying to figure out where we go from here. And, and I can remember thinking this, this emotion is going to shape me. This is going to be a real turning point on how I continue on with the rest of my life. And I want to be strong for my family and I want to, to help my family, but also let people know that it's going to be okay and that we're okay. And everything that dad worked for continued because dad always said that to us. He was always like, you know, you guys, you guys are the next generation of wildlife warriors. And he passed on so much of his knowledge and wisdom and he included us in everything that he did that I wanted him to be proud of us continuing his work. Just one day I, I wrote it in my journal, actually. I was like, this is it. I, I am choosing not to wallow in the sadness anymore. I am choosing to find the strength that dad had <laughs> and continue on. And, and I made this decision and, and I was so young. I can remember being so young. So it's not kind of, it's not something where I was like, well, here's how I'm going to take on the rest of my life. But I remember thinking I'm, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to be strong now. And I'm going to take all of my emotion and channel it into something good. So that's when I decided that I wanted to stand up and speak at dad's memorial service. I was like, this is, this is the thing that I can do to help. And this is the thing that I can do to reach out to people. And so I went to mom and said, I really want to speak and I want to tell people that we're going to be okay. And can you please help me because I want to write this and say this. And I was a very determined little person. <laughs> and so I, um, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And as I've gotten older, looking back, I realized that that was the turning point in my life. And I think that all of the grief that we've dealt with moving forward the way that I dealt with that is is how I still deal with things today, is how I still approach grief. I, I am someone who decides to celebrate the life of people that I love that have passed away instead of curling up in a corner. I think you, you are faced with these, these crossroads when someone dies. You can either just hide and say, I'm, I'm done, I'm going to kind of curl up and and be done, or you can stand up and celebrate someone's life and legacy. And that's what I, I decide to do. And I think that's what I encourage other people to do as well. Where there is great loss, you have to find joy. You still have to find joy because that's what they would want for you as well. You know, dad wouldn't want me to be sad every single day. He, he would want me to find joy in life and he would want me to find happiness in every day. And that's what I've chosen to do. And it's important to acknowledge your grief. I mean, it walks beside you every day. And when you lose someone that you love, it is like losing a piece of your heart. You never get that back. 
it is gone, but you can still find love and light. And, and I think that's really important. And, and from a very early age, without realizing that's what I was doing, that's what I did. And that's how I've chosen to deal with grief. And I think it's, you know, what you're describing is just the recognition of the power of love. The physical form is no longer there, but the love actually remains. You know, the energy of the love that you had as a family and for all of the work that you're doing, all of that love pervades you. You know, it's not separate from you. It's true. And and I choose to believe that people that pass away, you know, and animals, (laughs) that they're still they're still with you and and that you know, they say you cannot extinguish energy. And I think that someone's essence and who they are just stays with you forever. And I choose to believe that dad, dad is with me every day. And, um, I, I find great comfort in that. I really, really do. And I can, um, I, I feel like (laughs) it's, I feel closest to him when we're here at Australia Zoo and doing the work that he loved. And I think that's that's really powerful and really special. And we all have a different belief system and we all choose to deal with grief differently. But I I think it is very comforting taking taking that knowledge of of love and acknowledging that they're they're still with you no matter what. So finally then, I'm just interested now that you're a mother to beautiful baby Grace, uh, <laughs> what might you teach her about life and death and the inevitability of death? We can't avoid it. No creature can. We're all going to ex- experience it. So what do you think you might share with Grace as she grows up about the inevitability and this natural cycle of life and death? I want to make sure that Grace has an understanding of life and death from an early age because that is something that my parents shared with me and I have always been very, very grateful that they did because throughout our lives we have lost many, many animals and we have we have lost quite a few family members as well. I mean, my grandparents and and um close family and friends and my dad that there has our lives have been brushed with with a lot of death and I think it's important that you do acknowledge it and I want to make sure that Grace understands that she knows what's happening and I want to make sure that she has the gift of being able to um, understand the grief that you're faced when you lose the ones that you love to, to be able to have that ability to keep going, but to acknowledge her in grief. And I I think that I'm going to take a very similar approach to it that my parents did with me because growing up and and being 23 (laughs) now, I I can look back um, with gratitude um, that my parents did that for me. It really was a gift that they gave me to be able to to take my own grief and choose how I was going to to handle it, but then they were always there to support me. So we were, we would deal with it together as a family, and and I think that's important for Grace because she she is growing up here at Australia Zoo as well, and she's 
already spent a lot of time at our wildlife hospital and spent a lot of time with our animals at the zoo, and it's going to be a part of her life. And I think it's important that it is. So I'm hoping to do the best I can for her. I hope that I am a good mama. <laughs> I work every day <laughs> to be a good mama, but um, I, I want to give her that gift of understanding grief. And she is, I can see it in her. She is such a strong and amazing person. She's, she's the cutest little bug. She's very <laughs> straightforward with everything. <laughs> I can tell she already has a very strong and determined soul, um, just like her grandfather. <laughs> but it's, it's exciting. And, and I think that it's, it's exciting knowing that this beautiful little person is going to go on to achieve such amazing things in life. And I want to equip her with all of the tools I possibly can to be able to, to deal with whatever life throws her way. Because, you know, death is a part of life and it's not something to be afraid of. That's something else my dad used to say. He always used to say, I'm not afraid of death. I'm afraid of dying. And can I just say, this may sound a little bit strange, but I think it is so important to to acknowledge a good death. Now, that that sounds strange, but but in our in our society now, we seem to approach death in a way where, you know, we kind of tend to fear it a little bit. But but like my dad said, I'm not afraid of death, I'm afraid of dying. He always wanted to go quickly. And in the end, he got his wish. He passed away very, very quickly and he got what he wanted. He didn't suffer. He passed away quite quickly. And, and that is something that we should acknowledge and be grateful for. He, he got his wish. He wasn't afraid of death. He was just afraid of dying. And, and that is something that as a family, we have always been grateful for and celebrated that, that he had a good death. You know, he, he passed away in the way that he wished he would. I know it sounds odd, but I, I think it's important for us to be, be supportive and acknowledge and appreciate someone who, who has passed away in, in the way that they wanted. And, you know, it's for us all, it's challenging because we always say, you know, we didn't get to be there with him for his last moments. But in a way, as, as humans, we always get to say goodbye to the ones that we love, even if we don't realize it. You know, with dad, we had just spent time together on our annual crocodile research trip and we were together for a month and we were, you know, catching crocs and spending time together in the boat on the river and camping together. And that was our goodbye. So even though we didn't get to say goodbye to him, and be there when he passed away, that was our own way of saying goodbye before he died. And many, many people that I've spoken to that have lost loved ones, they'll say, I didn't get to say goodbye. But um, then we'll talk about what they were doing with someone before they passed. And, you know, in the weeks or months leading up to their passing, they did get that little bit of time together. And they did get to say goodbye in their own unique way without realizing it. And so I think it's important to to remember that you know, we have to appreciate people while they're here and spend as much time as you can with people that you love and tell people that you love them while they're here and appreciate people that are, that are supporting you and that are with you today because you never know when you're going to lose someone and it's important to, to share that love while they're here and while you can because it's, 
life is very precious and life is, is too short sometimes, but we are given a unique opportunity every day to share how we feel about the people that we love. So yeah, I think it's important to, to celebrate someone's life, to appreciate when someone passes because it is like a new chapter. I think it's someone is growing into that oak tree. You know, it's the seed growing into the oak tree when you pass away. You can't fully understand it, but it's a part of life. So you have to appreciate and respect it. And the reality is that, you know, death is certain, but the time of death is uncertain. And I think if we can, as you say, you know, live every day, because we don't know, it may well be today. You know, today might be the day. It's not, we, we have no idea. And I think we can then connect much more with the love and the kindness as you've, as you've spoken about. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's an amazing, an amazing gift that we are given life. And it is something that, you know, even scientists can't fully wrap their minds around. It's, it's extraordinary. And we all have a different path to walk and, and life, you know, has its own challenges to throw in our direction, but it's it's so important to to live every day and appreciate every moment. And after having grace, now more than ever, I appreciate life so much more. I I, I think it's funny where she finds magic. Our little girl finds magic in the smallest of things. You know, she'll find a leaf on the ground and she will stare at that leaf for half an hour, just looking at it and appreciating it and feeling it. And, you know, I'll sit there with her and think, if it wasn't for Grace, I wouldn't be sitting here staring at a leaf for half an hour. And you know what? Nature is amazing. This leaf is extraordinary. And how wonderful that I get to appreciate this leaf with my daughter. And I think that she reminds me that there is beauty and magic in even the smallest of things. And and we all have to remember that. Find that joy and that magic in every day because you don't know how long you have. And <laughs> life is extraordinary. Life is a beautiful miracle. And I I believe in magic when I when I watch my daughter. So I I am I'm very very grateful to have gotten to speak to you today about thank about you. these things and thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for for speaking to to many different people from many different walks of life and and sharing everybody's journey and story because we all have a different story to tell and it's it's important to be able to encourage others. So thank you for inspiring so many people and likewise <laughs> thank you it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you today and to listen to your experience and your insights and uh, your understanding and your wisdom uh, as well as uh, hearing about the love and the kindness that you uh, extend to others in your work so I really want to wish you all the very best with everything that you do in terms of um, your family and your zoo, Australia Zoo, and your work as a wildlife warrior. And uh, I really do wish that the success continues for you and your family and that you only ever have much peace and happiness in your life. Thank you, love. (laughs) Thank you so much. And the same goes. And if you ever feel like coming to Australia Zoo for a koala cuddle, it's very soothing to the soul. So So that was the final episode of What About Death for 2021. I'd like to thank every one of my guests this year. 
and I hope you enjoyed listening to their perspectives, experiences and insights as they brought dying and death out of the dark and into the open. We will be back for Series 2 next year as we continue to explore this inevitable part of life and its many fascinating nuances. I wish you all much peace and love, and I hope that you will join me again in 2022 as we continue the What About Death podcast. Thank you for listening to What About Death, a podcast brought to you by karuna.org.au. There are many people who played a role in helping our first season to air. We want to thank our team of volunteers, Adair Shepherd, Kiara Fauzi, Ryan Drover, Shannon Callender, and Werner Massue for their work on sound editing and production behind the scenes. We also want to thank Josh Bird, Verena Coombs, and our wonderful host, Sultram, for their leadership and insight as we explored the best way to open conversations about death. Finally, we would like to thank all of the guests who appeared on What About Death during our first season. We appreciate you offering your time and expertise to our podcast, and we are grateful for the interesting and diverse conversations we shared. We're looking forward to sharing season two with you next year. But in the meantime, if you'd like to stay in touch with What About Death, you can find us on Instagram at What About Death Podcast.